Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off-limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I'm Amanda Lippman. I run an organization called Run for Something. I wrote a book called Run for Something. And now I host this show also called Run for Something. My mission is simple. Find people who care about solving problems and help them run for office. Every Tuesday, I'll talk with amazing and incredible candidates and elected officials who are already making a difference. They're in local offices that might seem small and not so sexy, but are actually hugely important for your day-to-day life. Fixing our broken system will take all of us and people like you. Listen in every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey girl, hey, welcome back to my weekly podcast, Taste of Taylor. I'm your host, Taylor Schrecker, and today I have on She... She has been on the podcast a handful of times, joining us yet again. And thank you so much, Mackenzie Green. Hey, girl, hey. Yodel. She refuses to say <laughs> hey, girl, hey to me. I, you know what? I, I contemplated for a second. I was like, you know, this is the different medium. It's the podcast. I should just say it. And then I thought, nah, I'm just going to fuck with no, her. I'm not saying no. it. <laughs> Good. Stick to your guns. Stick to your guns. So Mackenzie is a co-host on The Taylor Strecker Show, my radio show. Every single Friday. And so before we even get into this conversation, I will say this. There will be, I don't know if it's an official part two to the conversation. Like, we cannot contain this conversation yeah. to just the podcast. I mean, honestly, so, the people listening to this right now are like, bitch, didn't we meet you once before and you told us we didn't know shit about Juneteenth? And then you met me a second time and I yes, yes. told you uh, Beyonce doesn't make music for black people. So, uh, guys, um, I think you know that I'm not going to be your fave, but... That's not true. I'm number Don't one in your heart. So like if that. you want to hear the rest of our conversation, we just have convos in different mediums and it's very schizophrenic. And so it's just yes. like, hi, nice to meet you. Now come over to the other thing and hear the rest of it over there where I get to be behind a paywall and, and cuss a little bit yes. more. Yes, yes. So we're talking right now about the Meghan Markle, Prince Harry, Oprah special. I just keep calling it the Meghan Markle it interview, really you know, because... It really is. And I mean, Mackenzie got me really prepared for it last Friday yeah. on the Taylor Strecker show because I actually don't know. I don't watch The Crown. I don't know a shit ton about the royal family. Um, I've learned a little bit of things here and there, but Mackenzie kind of gave me like a Cliff's Notes crash course in everything royal. And I want to say Mackenzie 
in that conversation, you were very empathetic to all parties involved. Yeah. You have a lot of love for the royal family. So much so, I would almost say, are you British? <laughs> I know. You would think, well, you know, I mean, we have discussed my heritage and, you know, my grandfather being three quarters British. Um, so that's always mm -hmm, a fun mm -hmm. part of it. Like, my mom's like, do we just inherently like this family because secretly it's part of our lineage? I'm like, I probably. So I will go, I th I'm going to comfortably go on record saying I think Mackenzie Green is a royal family expert you know what's funny is after that episode somebody reached out and they were like oh my god what what royal podcast do you listen to like how do you know all this and I was like I don't listen to any of the podcast I mean anybody that follows me that knows me from the Taylor Stryker show knows that I love to read um so yes. I I am more of a fan of the deeper history I'm also very fascinated by the idea that this young woman took control of basically a, a figurehead title as a young woman and has had it for decades upon decades like I think I think any world in which a woman has been in control and seen from like the first world war to today I'm like what what a way of having to have seen the planet and have seen the right. progress of America that you have literally watched like computers go from taking up an entire storage room in a basement of a building to like your grandkids are <laughs> calling you on FaceTime so I'm just like what a mood like I just always think I always am very fascinated about Queen Elizabeth in the sense that like this is a woman who has sat across from Winston Churchill to Boris Johnson like what what a what a situation like you have sat across from Eisenhower all the way to the like you have seen America allow black people to eat in the same restaurants and then you are decades later sitting across from the first black president I'm just like what a what right. a perspective on history you have that you have legitimately watched the evolution of the world and been like huh yes. like you have watched imperialism happen at your own hands to like Africa becoming its own universe you know again of like taking back its power I just I find I find the history of Queen Elizabeth to be fascinating and then I found Diana to be very fascinating and lovely you all can thank the Spice Girls for that because honestly at a young age I was like anybody that can call the Spice Girls and they can just come to their house what a mood and then it's just it's just <laughs> and then it's just translated into I think the the tragic beauty of of what Diana was and then these like two young men that she left in the world and everything that goes with it again guys I love storytelling and it is one of the yes. most sweeping epic stories the crown or not that I have found very interesting to watch and then now this convergence of being a right. black woman watching the story being a, a fan of it and then seeing this woman that I admired a woman of color enter this family it was like Ooh. and so I think like this woman who the same woman that was like what podcast do you listen to like you called so much of it how did you figure that out and I was like well I mean first and foremost I've I've been a black woman for 32 years so yes. some of this was really easy <laughs> to recognize and be like oh I I can I notice that I know that move yeah oh, I've seen that before oh I know that one okay yeah I, I recognize what that is that tracks that yeah, tracks that, track, that one that, that one right there that, that, yep, uh -huh. yep yep okay okay cool, cool cool yep yep I've been there before <laughs> oh we've reached this point of the conversation I have to ask you did your opinions change at all after watching 
the Megan interview with Oprah. Mine didn't. My mother's um, became 10 times more of what they were. Uh, she has never liked Charles and Camilla. I was going to say, your mom hates Prince Charles, right? He's, I mean, after that, I was like, he's the monster. She, she hated him then. She hates him even more. Now. Like the way my mother called me. But I think you guys have to understand, like there's a lot of, and I was texting Taylor during the thing because yeah. there's a lot of, parallels and things that I had even seen in my own life and so there's like it was just funny like the way my mother feels about Camilla it's just like it's this comical thing where I'm like yes mom we know we know she is very triggering for you she is very annoying for you like we get it speaking of triggering so we decided that of course we're gonna do deep dives and break down things I mean ad nauseum yeah. on the Taylor Strecker show but today's podcast is all about are you okay? Because that's <laughs> that literally Mackenzie and I protested so <laughs> on Sunday night because we both knew, obviously, we were watching it. I mean, the world was watching it. I mean, it was like, it felt like the Super Bowl. It felt that big, even bigger. Well, you know what the funny part was is I live in L.A., and so I think nobody was really noticing the fact that I apparently knew what was happening on the east coast because basically my mom put her phone on speaker and i listened that's how over the phone and i was just kind of like oh wow so like i hadn't so it was like listening to a radio show i had no visuals right. i didn't i didn't know they were wearing cute outfits i didn't know they were playing on the beach i didn't know that archie had made an appearance i was just like listening to it and being like ooh, <laughs> like literally having moments where certain things she said like visceral reactions like feeling that shit and being like oh I remember that time like so yeah simultaneously I'm like listening to the radio via uh, Phyllis FM and then texting Taylor being like you okay you okay you good okay so <laughs> let's ask so let's ask each other some questions Mackenzie you texted me are you okay why because I knew that you had had experiences of being in a marriage where you felt silenced yes. and you felt unseen. And so my concern was, oh no, is this taking you back to some dark shit of feeling like, ooh, I remember what that feels like. Oh, I know what that feels like to be like, ooh, nobody sees me, help, please, I'm drowning. And, and yeah. also simultaneously this idea that everybody's like, you should be so lucky. Like, right? How dare you not be happy? And yes. like literally curtsying and bowing down because <laughs> you are so lucky to be the chosen exactly. one in this position. Yeah, exactly. But so my re reaction to Mackenzie was like, fuck me. Are you okay? <laughs> because we're like getting into the bomb that was dropped. And yeah. I don't know. I, I want to know how you felt about it, Mackenzie. Because yeah. Oprah seemed pretty damn shocked. I think Oprah was shocked that they said it. Maybe she wasn't as shocked that it happened. But it was when Archie's skin color was... You know what's up. funny? So I don't know how many people who listen to this ever watched um, the Gabrielle Union interview. We'll talk about this on Taylor Strucker show, this idea of colorism, because my God, I need to be behind a paywall to better discuss this. Because the people that I will have to bring up in this, my mother would prefer they have to pay money. But I think the bigger thing is like, okay. I think the shock for Oprah, if you've ever listened to the, watch the Gabrielle Union interview is when they're talking about Kavya, um, their daughter via surrogate, Gabby told this story about how her family came in and checked the tips of the baby's ears. And for people that don't know, that's what everybody looks at on black and brown babies so that they can try to figure out how dark your child's going to be. No. Yes. So I remember when Gabby Union said this thing about 
um, yeah, everybody rushed in and wanted to see what the color of Kavi, the tips of Kavi's ears look like so they could figure out if she was going to be dark like Dwayne and I. Also because her family didn't understand surrogacy. They were like, or if she was going to be light like the surrogate, which she no, was it's, like, it's, I know. It's Gabrielle's Listen, because we watch enough Housewives of Atlanta to know that people <laughs> act like a surrogate means it's not your baby. Um, like you stole somebody's <laughs> child. But... <laughs> But, and I remember when she said that, um, when they said that to Oprah, Oprah was like, people are still doing that. And I think, I think Oprah's shock was not that it happened. I think it's the shock that it's still happening. Still happening. And like, and, and I texted Taylor. I said, I, I had this experience. That's why we're going to get into this more when there's a paywall. I had my own experience of people checking the tips of my ears because I have a dark skinned father, a dark skinned grandmother, a basically white grandfather and a light-skinned mother and it was kind of like oh is she gonna be unlucky and and look like them or is she gonna get lucky and look like like her mom and her grandfather and and you know and that guys in itself is like colorism is a whole conversation of the paper bag text test the proximity to whiteness house slaves versus field slaves like this idea of worthiness it's that moment, it's that question that everybody lashes onto and goes like, oh, no, 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 there's no there's no way that happened. And it's like, guys, I'm 32. I'm born in a quote-unquote post-racial America, and that was a question for me. Like, I have my good right. friend Tracy, who uh, runs the Stacks podcast, she talked about that. She's a biracial woman. Her husband is white. And she talked about that was something that she got asked about her twins. And it's wow. something that she said that she actually gets asked by audience members. Um, are your sons going to get browner? Are they always going to stay this color? You know. Who asked these questions? You know what I equate it to? It's the it's like the when people meet um, a gay couple and they'll be like, who's the guy? Who's the girl? Oh, my God. Yep. You just spoke my language. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's and I'm like, shockingly, I'm the guy. <laughs> and I shouldn't answer that question, even though I'm answering it in, in jest. The yeah. person probably asking it to you thinks that they're asking an innocuous question to un- to better understand you and Taylor's relationship. They right. don't think that they're asking a question that comes with such a layered history. There really is so much to it. I remember, like, when I first came out, I would have friends' boyfriends who I was, like, really close to her husbands, and they were like, yo, she's so hot. How'd you get her? And I'm like, I'm not your bro now, dude. I'm still a fucking girl. I still have all of, like, the societal expectations that other women have, gay or straight. And so for you to bro me out, like, oh, this is what we do. Like, we call each other ugly and, like, fat. And then, like, we say, like, the girl's hot. Like, that's a compliment, bro. Like, I still have a vagina. Thank you very much. No, I mean, it pissed me off so so much like I'm a girl and I'm sure there's so many interracial couples listening or women who are in interracial relationships maybe listening to this who are like oh yeah I could fill a book with the amount of times that people are like your babies are gonna be so cute oh my god what are your kids gonna look like but people think that that mm-hmm. is they mm-hmm. think it's a question that's sitting here on the surface but they don't realize like you're underneath the fucking earth's crust <laughs> trying to answer being like this is a very nuanced question that holds <laughs> a lot of <laughs> racial trauma please don't ask me and they're like i'm sorry it's 
just a simple question. It's no different than like, who's the top? Who's the bottom? It's like, it's like, again, they don't realize that you're under the fucking earth's crust being like, that's a very heteronormative way of looking at my homosexuality and trying to make my sexuality fit in within your perspective. It's like, you're under, you're like under the ground, like fucking uh, space jam trying to talk through a hole. And they're like, it's just a question. I'm just trying to better understand your relationship. And you're just like, oh, okay. It's equivalent if you meet a straight couple and this would never ever happen ever happen if, the, if your first question off the bat was like but do you like let him stick it in your butt like yeah. it's that much mm-hmm. where people be like whoa and it's like whether they do or they don't it's like it it's, it's like it's just crossing a line yeah it's it and would, i don't think you've ever met a white couple where somebody's been like oh my god it's like oh yeah oh white what straight a cute couple. baby yeah it's yeah. like white straight couple nobody's been like do you i hope he doesn't i hope he doesn't end up with your husband's brown eyes <laughs> <laughs> whoa whoa because you know we're laughing through the tears by the we way we are we're laughing through the uncomfortability of and i think the hard part in it is like I went into this when you texted me and you were like, you don't have to do it, no pressure. I'm like, the comedy is, I'm happy to talk about it. And that's why always my joke with you is like, I have to remember you and I are having a conversation on a microphone that's being recorded yes. because yes. we can laugh about this and be like, oh, ha, ha. Ah, it's a nightmare. <laughs> like, but it's also recognizing that like, there is somebody who's going to hear this and all they're going to hear in the last two minutes is like, oh, so brown eyed children are not beautiful. And now I'm going to have to like, <laughs> and now I'm going to have to answer DMs that are like, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. That's literally not. And then now I'm, I'm fucking what's her face on housewives in New Jersey being like, I didn't say Gia does cocaine. I said it's an analogy. <laughs> I die. I love you. I die. Okay, so yeah. So if you have not watched this interview, where have you been? But like (laughs) highly beyond recommend it. But what was so interesting for me, Mackenzie, was I was sitting in it being like, oh, I understand this, you know? I know you were sitting in it being like, I understand this. But there are still some people out of this interview that are like, you know, she does seem fake to me about Meghan Markle. She was so fake yeah. to me. Like, I don't believe her. She didn't. She didn't Google him or like really suicide over that. And that's right to you, Meghan yes. Kelly. Go suck dicks all the way backwards. The part that I, so like the Googling, all that stuff. I'm like, all right, you can feel whatever you want to feel. I think what kills me. And that's why like when you and I were talking, we were like, what are we going to talk? I was like, I want to talk about the mental health part of it. Yes. Because I think it's. It's very difficult to be in a post-Britney Spears documentary where the Mm -hmm. whole world is doing their mea culpas and apologizing for not believing this woman, that she was having mental health struggles with the pressure of what her job was. And it's like, oh my God, she literally wrote a song called Lucky and I cried myself to sleep. And oh my God, how did we not hear her? I'm like... I don't know if you've ever seen Rick and Morty, but there's literally an episode of Rick and Morty where he's like trapped and they're like, if you're having trouble, tell us. And he's like, it's okay. And he's singing a song. He's like, I'm trapped. I'm trapped. I want to kill myself. And they're like, and they're like, well, he seems fine. He's singing. And he's like, some days I want to die. Please get me out of here. And like, legitimately, you're just like the whole episode is you're watching this being like, guys, he's, he's singing he a song help. about, he needs help. 
And it's like, that's kind of the way I look at like the Britney situation. It's like this woman literally wrote song upon song upon song of like, I'm gonna kill myself in a bathtub. Like, look at literally. me in the video. I slipped my wrist and I'm drowning. And we're like, we're like, ooh, catchy little ditty. Yes, <laughs> she's so lucky. She's a star. Like, we're just like... <laughs> We're like, I love it, Brittany. And it's like me. So then now you're in this post world where everybody's like, I wish I could have done better. I wish I could have loved you, Brittany, when you needed me. Brittany, wear yellow if you need her help. We're going to get you out of there. Like that video where he's like, I'm going to get you out of there, cat. Like that's the way we treat Brittany. Like, I'm going to get you out of there. You just hold on. And it's like, so now you fast forward. We're post Black History Month on the eve of International eve. Women's Day. And, and, and a woman literally says, I had mental health struggles, but I got out. And my message is it gets better and everybody's like fuck you <laughs> prove it bitch put your put your wrist up to the camera and let me see if you cut yourself and it's right? just like are you guys are you hearing and i think what i struggled with so it's two parts so i've had this whole thing where everybody's like that made you want to kill yourself guys could you even could you even that that's what did it we're we're judging people's mental health status now. They have the bravery to own it and be vulnerable and speak to it, and that's how we treat it? Or they have to prove that something made them suicidal. So I will say, guys, and there's a great line that Fran Leibowitz said in the Pretend It's a City on Netflix when she was talking about the Me Too movement. And she said, like, when it comes to women in assault, you'll have to prove to me that they're lying because the reason is I've been a woman my yep. entire life. And I think yep. where I was in that moment where people are like, that kind of stuff, those microaggressions make you want to kill yourself. And I'm like, you'll have to prove to me, empirically prove to me with evidence that Megan is lying. Because the reason for me is I've been a black woman my entire life. Like yeah. I literally was in a job situation where the microaggressions were so bad. I was all alone. And I remember standing one morning on the subway platform and literally thinking, if I threw myself in front of this train, if I just fell, if I fell in front of the train, right. then will everybody be happy? Like, and I remember thinking to myself, and I remember literally the only thing that stopped me is I thought to myself, no, cause they'll, they'll, who will tell my parents? Cause they'll just, they'll just think I'm late for work and nobody will tell my mom and dad and they won't be nice to them about it. Now to those of you listening, you're like, really that, that is it. But guys, it is like water torture. This episode of Taste of Taylor is brought to you by Zen Fuel. Do you ever feel like you don't have enough time in the day and you just can't stay focused? Yeah. Keeping up with my podcast, my radio show, my guests, my family. It's like everybody wants to Zoom all day long. Energy is a total must. That's why I'm so glad I found Zen Fuel's natural energy boosting supplement, Zen Zest. With one capsule in the morning, I can finally get all day energy naturally with zero caffeine. Zen Fuel uses extracts that not only make me more energized, but enhance my mental clarity, thank you, mood and focus with traditional herbs like green coffee bean extract, olive leaf extract, rosemary extract, all the best extracts. And that's what's so awesome about Zen Fuel is that they're all about being a holistic wellness brand that focuses on radical transparency from farm to bottle and helping people with a more balanced life. Zen Fuel also has these amazing chill pills. Yeah, it's a supplement called Zen Chill, and it really helps manage stress, anxiety, and it uses extracts that not only make you calm, but boost focus. 
Also, you gotta love that their ingredients contain zero additives, and Zen Fuel's founder literally traveled the world sourcing the most potent ingredients to ensure each supplement is packed with ingredients that do what they say they'll do. Zero fluff and 100% plant-based. And Zen Fuel also has their very well-known sleep supplement, Zen Sono, which I'm really excited to try next because your girl has sleeping issues. So what are you waiting for? Zen Fuel is giving you 25% off your first purchase using my code at checkout. And my code is Taylor. Yeah, my name, T-A-Y-L-O-R. Just go to ZenFuel.com. That's spelled C-E-N-F-U-E-L.com and use my code Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R at checkout for 25% off. Again, that's ZenFuel.com, Z-E-N-F-U-E-L.com and use that code Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R for 25% off your first purchase. And now to the podcast. Do you think a microaggression is actually worse than aggression aggression? I think it is. I agree with you. Because I I do equate it to water torture. It's those teeny tiny drips of water that the first few times you're like, I'm good. (laughs) I can do this. Yeah. It's by our... 28 or in my case year 32 that the water has been dripping on your forehead that you're like I'm I'm losing my mind and I think that right there it's the I'm losing my mind you know what and Mackenzie and I were texting about this on Sunday night but I was saying so she said are you okay I said no but it's less important are you okay and she was like also no you are important we were very much coddling each other yes we were like no 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 it's okay we'll just be a wreck together But this idea of gas being gaslighted, that I think is a commonality that we both have experienced in maybe very different ways in in different, you know, uh, to different intensities. But we both always agree that the part that makes you feel hopeful is when somebody is like, hey, I see you. And you're like, oh, thank God. You're not crazy. You're not making it up. It's happening to you. And like, yes, I think it's very obvious Mackenzie, why you've been triggered or are you okay from watching that special? For me, I think the audience probably could figure it out. I got lots of DMs (laughs) like, oh my God, are you okay? I'm watching the special and I think you're probably very triggered right now. I was like, I am. My mom called. She was like, how are you doing? Are you okay? Are you having a little bit bit, bit of PTSD? I was like, just a little bit. But um, just from when I was married, it was a... I felt like I was in a firm like situation, i.e. wealthy, up like pillars of the community, their words yeah. a lot over and over and over again. We are pillars of the community, pillars of the community, wealthy family, um, family business. And everybody was yeah. like somehow involved and it like it financially affected everybody. And, you know, and um, generational, generational wealth. Yeah. And there was, you know, and that's when Megan was saying like, well, obviously, I know it's going to be a princess and famous, but, like, let's not forget she was already in Hollywood. So the fame thing, she was already, like, kind of wanting, aspiring to, and understanding. Yeah. But the royal, she was, she like, she was like, no, I didn't understand it. And it's like, I know we can all be like, how could you not understand it? But, like, and I don't, same. And I don't think the audience understands the difference between fame and and notoriety. So like, Mm. again, I don't have the context for this, but to a certain extent with my father, people understand that Will Smith doesn't fight aliens. They truly believe that Ernest Green, Andy Young, John Lewis, you know, all these people, Vernon Jordan, they believe that these people are Gandhi and they think that they know them because they have read the stories. They have watched the documentaries. They know. So it's like, I remember the first time I ever wrote a piece of satire in college. I remember somebody saying to me, my professor 
held this up in class today and said, this girl's father should be embarrassed because I know him and considering what she wrote. And then I remember it literally being followed up by letters to the editor about, I'm sure your father's so embarrassed by you. He's probably disgusted. And I remember my poor dad being like, what can I do? And so I think like you guys, I don't think the audience understands. There is a difference between celebrity something that you're like, oh, I picked this and being born into something that you never chose that has a left, like guys, there is a difference between fame and somebody having a statue on state capitol grounds. Like there is a difference between having your face printed on the money. And if you're like, yeah, Queen Elizabeth, no, this man has a silver dollar commemorating his accomplishments. Like I can look at a piece of like, it's like some coming to America shit when it's like, they got money and it's like, no, they're on the money. And it's It's like, it's this thing where I'm like, oh, this is weird. This is, this is a level of, you know, however you want to see it, but a level of like black excellence and black royalty that people are like, if you didn't want this, you knew, you knew, you should know better. And I think that part too, when people will say about Harry, they're like, you should know better. You should do, it's like, I, guys, you don't know the person you think you do. And that's what I loved when she said, there's a difference between the perception and the reality. Right. It's like, you think, you know, because of a crafted image, you have no clue what the actual conversation was in the car on the way over. Like, you don't know what we had to pump ourselves up to do before we got, it's like, you don't like even just the conversation of security. Like when we go to Arkansas and we're like, Oh, let's walk down the street. And they're like, and you're realizing in a post, certain kind of world oh we can't just walk down the street because there are people that are sending notes to the capital talking about when they come here when those ends come here we gonna finally kill them this time and you're like oh right okay you know and so I think there was like this this multiple Venn diagram where I looked at that experience and I thought I know this like I when she said the thing about there was no place to go I remember walking into work and just saying I think I need to work from home Because one, I didn't feel comfortable. I knew there was nobody there that I could say, these little drops of water are are making me go crazy. Crazy. And there's nobody here to talk to. Nobody's overhearing them either. Even if they hear them, they're not hearing them. And they're choosing to either ignore them or they genuinely don't hear it. And if I say anything, the first thing everybody in this room is going to do is, are you calling me racist? Yep. And so now I've got to fight my way out of a corner to explain why this is the wrong question to ask, why this is a triggering statement, why this feels like a microaggression, why I can't take it anymore, why I am so tired of having this conversation or having this comment made or, you know, having even just the simple phrase of, I got to keep my eye on you. And it's like... You know, and you're saying it to your parents because you think you're going crazy and your mom's like, all right, so what are they, the overseer now? And you're like, mom, come on, please don't say that these people aren't like that. And when she said that thing about the greatest mistake I made was thinking I was safe, that they would take care of me. I'm like, that is such an ancient old black woman proverb of like realizing that you're, and what you, and I will be honest, guys, I got mad at myself because it was like, you should have known better. You should have known that this was the place that you put your mask on. And I think what is difficult when you're listening to her say these things is it's like 
I don't think people understand how it wears down your soul. And I think what yeah. I got saddest about is Megan doesn't need your support. She's fine. She's she's right. spoken her truth. She's lived. Same thing with myself. I don't need your DMs about like, oh my God, I wish we had known. I don't, I'm fine. I am right. in an incredible place in my life. I have incredible support system. I had people that were willing to listen to me that gave me an outlet. Where I feel adamant about is I worry about that friend that's struggling with mental health right now in quarantine. I worry about that coworker that follows you on social media that's struggling with microaggressions and they see you denying someone else's mental health struggles. And what they hear is that's one less person I can go to to say I need help. And so my thing is like, by all means, if you want to question, if you want to question what makes somebody allowed to be a suicidal, Oh my I God. mean, okay, but you know, live, do what you want to do. But I guess Keep my living thing is your like, best life, honey. Live your best life. Oh but I God. guess my thing is like, do you not realize that there are people in your life that are struggling, that are struggling in this quarantine, that truly feel like if I have to come and sit down on this couch and do one more Zoom call, I'm gonna hang myself. And what they see is when you say, "Oh, cry me a river," they say to themselves, "Yeah, I should just be happy. I have a job." I should just be happy. I have exactly. work. I need to shut the fuck up. And it just, and they're getting compounded. It's like, I think about the mom who's literally inches away from saying like, I'm really struggling right now. I can't be the teacher and the daycare worker and work. I need help. But what they're hearing is everybody being like, oh, shut, you should be happy. You're even married with healthy kids. And so they just don't say anything and they internalize right. it. And then we ask ourselves, two years from now. I wonder why Sharon gained all that weight. It's like, well, maybe because you made Sharon feel like she has no safe space to go. So she made her own safe space within herself. And it's like, right. and I think that's where my thing is like, guys, you don't have to give a, a fuck about black women. You don't have to believe anything we say, but um, I, can I actually <laughs> say, I do not co-sign that statement. Taylor does not co-sign this, but I'm like, but believe people. Yes, you do. Say. Yes, you do. And yes, you fucking better. Okay. But it's like, okay. believe people when they say that they're struggling with their mental health be a warm open place it's like it's not about now defending a past action it's about what are you going to do now that you know what better are you going to do now that you know better well, that's what i was going to say is i bet people are like well megan's never going to see my comment but it's like yeah but somebody who feels yes empathy to megan or or is walking in her shoes will see your comment and that will have such damage. A woman that feels trapped, you know, a woman that's dealing with, with not feeling seen, a man that feels like that, a person who feels like they're trapped in the wrong gender, people who feel that they are standing in the wrong place and they yes. don't have a voice to give yes. are seeing you say, shut the fuck up. And yes. what you think is you're just yelling, shut the fuck up into the void at what you perceive as a famous woman. At quote unquote, Megan, yes. But you're not paying attention. No. People can hear you. And I yes. think that's where I get, that's literally why when Taylor was like, do you want to talk? I was like, yes, because I just want to beg people to be cognizant of your words. I don't care if you, all you do is watch the Joy Luck Club and go, damn, you know. Damn. What, that is my favorite movie. Watch <laughs> it. It is, it, it's, it's, it's a perspective that is just, I mean. I think we are in a, empathy reckoning where people need to work their empathy muscles just as much as they work their jaw to tell someone that they need to shut up. And I think, you know, it's like my biggest challenge to myself this year has been like, I am trying to read more. <laughs> this is insane. I Googled 
essential conservative books because I was like, I don't have a place to work from to understand how somebody like hates, loves Airbnb, but hates socialism. Guys, literally Airbnb is a, is a very socialist concept, but I'm like, <laughs> let me better understand the essentials of capitalism. Let me better understand where this person is standing. I have never wanted to read Atlas Shrugs. I'm like, let me read this book because this is the book on the perils of socialism. I'm like, let me read 1984 again so I can better understand this. Let me sit in animal, the narrative of Animal Farm and figure out if I'm from a place where I think that I am being exterminated Oh, that's loaded. Of like, what would I what would I see when they put a warning on on the Muppet show? It's like, I think we are so quick to be like, well, if it was me, I'd be happy to be a princess. But you've not stopped for a second and been like, but I've never been a black woman. I've never been a biracial black woman. I've never had somebody ask me what color my baby is going to come out. Huh. And I think the problem is we're so quick to have that moment and then go, all right, well, let me... Let me look for a person of color. Hey, Sharon from work. Um, has anybody ever asked you what? No, no, no. Guys, there are literal books. It's called, Toni Morrison wrote a whole series of books. I can better explain this to you. Read The Bluest Eyes. Pick Up the Prophets by Robert Jones Jr. Watch Amend. Will Smith made a great uh, receivable documentary. It's like, what? Like, there are so many other ways for you to engage yourself in the narrative to exercise your own empathy muscles without putting the burden on. And I think that's where I feel a little disgusted is like, we are now then putting, much like the Me Too movement, it's like we put the burden on her to prove. Right what this is and then she's and coming out she's being vulnerable she's she's telling her truth speaking her truth yeah and the amount of courage you guys it takes to get to that point is astounding like let me be honest guys i have never this is the first time in my life i have ever talked about where i was before and wanting to kill myself i literally when she said and i left i left like for anybody who was a part of that world who I previously was with there, who's like, is that what? Yes. I literally stood on the subway platform and thought, oh my God. And I remember walking into the office, like I don't remember anything about the walk. I don't even remember if I stopped when it was time to cross the street or not. I remember walking in, picking my head up, putting my laptop in the, in the case and thinking, you've, you've got to leave. And yeah. I had no place to go. And I remember thinking, but if you don't leave, and this is and this is where you are right now, not in like a like a, I'm gonna kill myself hysteric, but like what Gabby Sidibe said in her book, hey, if I could just press a button right now and just not exist, that'd be great. If I could hurt nobody's feelings, if my parents could, you know, if I could secret life of Addie Larue, my parents have no idea that they ever had a child. These people never know. I, that would be that would be nice. That would be good. It was like that moment when that hit me, I thought, you've got to leave. And and that's where that story that I told on Taste of, uh, uh, Taylor Strucker show of like literally asking God for a sign, being like, if this is the right direction. And I think that's the hard part is like, you know, in your heart of hearts, and I'm sure you had that situation with your marriage where you know okay, when the window opens, I need to go. I cannot discuss this. I cannot pro and con this with anybody else. If I don't do this now, I will never leave. And I think the sad part is yes. like, what did y'all want her to do? Cry hysterically? Because if she had cried, you would have called her a hysterical black woman. Yep. You would have called her a hysterical woman. You would have said that she doesn't know how to control her emotions. She's a screaming harpy. So it's like, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. And I think totally. where my applause to her is 
what she said, it's kind of like something they say in church. It's like somebody received that message and that ministry. And I think that's my thing about this, this conversation is like, if nothing else, if one person out there realizes, let me ask my friend who's been real silent, who seems to have been off, that doesn't seem like themselves. Are you okay? Yes. And to give them a soft place to land, to realize this is hard to do then that has been worth it. Now, again, if I then get a DM that's like, you don't love children with brown eyes, I'm... (laughs) I love the cat in the hat. Yeah, I I was just, I was astounded that people would walk away. It's one thing to go in maybe with preconceived notions, right? I mean, I kind of can't justify that either, but like, fine, fine. I was really shocked that people were torn about what was said by, I mean, you should see the DMs I got because I was like, I mean, I was Instagram storing that like it was the Super Bowl. Yeah. And I was just so moved and like I had the DMs. Like I got like someone was like a bar from OG. So that was lovely. Because like I, at one point I said, Harry's a stud because a man that stands by his woman is a fucking good guy. Or I feel like you're a stud for saying, I need help. And we he don't has- give men space to say, I yeah. need help. And then we wonder why these boys and these men do this toxic bullshit. And it's like, well, because you, you're you laughing at a man who said, I need help. And then when some kid kills themselves or some trans person kills themselves or some gay person kills themselves or some black person is, you know, murdered in the street, then you want to mourn over the body. And that's why my thing is like, love people, show empathy while they're here. They should not have to fucking shave their heads and attack a car with an umbrella for you to be like, oh my God, Uh, oh no. Even still no one gave her that empathy in that moment. And all it took for you guys to finally believe it was the paparazzo going, yeah, we did it. It shouldn't take that for people to all of a sudden be like, oh, this person deserves my empathy. They deserve my respect. They deserve me to investigate. Cause I think that's my bigger thing is like, you can absolutely watch her and question it and then be like, all right, what the fuck is a microaggression? Like, that's my hope is that you hear this episode and you go, what the fuck is a microaggression? And not that you stop at like a Candace Owen video about microaggressions are real, but that you say to yourself, all right, I watched Candace Owen. Now let me watch a Brittany Packney Cunningham. Let me see what D Ray McKessick is talking about. Let me engage with Van Jones. Let me see what this is. Let me see what that is it's like we have eliminated the idea of being like oh I don't understand this so let me go find instead we have reached a point where it's like I don't understand how Britney Spears can have so much money and and be so wealthy and not be happy and it's the same thing with Megan it's like I don't understand how somebody can be a princess and not be happy and it's like well then investigate what that feels like how would you feel if somebody took your passport and identification away in a foreign country away from your family crazy i mean they really are i just think yeah we we totally put on a pedestal fame wealth status i guess titles if you will and i think mackenzie did you put this on your story all that glitters is not gold it wasn't me i put i put up a bunch of stuff about like the sis mood feel you yeah been there (laughs) but it really is you know like that's what i learned from my marriage was you know i felt 
even more depressed in my depression because I'm at these beautiful hotels, at these gorgeous restaurants with these gorgeous clothes on, with these beautiful people. I should be so lucky. Like, I'm so lucky. Why should, you know, it makes you feel even that much more lonely because yes. you're like, I'm not allowed. I'm not supposed yes. to. Nobody will understand if I try literally, to explain. Literally every time I would have those feelings and I would get a message that was like, this is my dream. I've always wanted to work there. And you're just like, yeah, let me shut the fuck up. This is and a dream. And then you just, you, you stuff it and you, and yeah. yeah, and you shut the fuck up because you're like, well, I, I am in no place to complain. But that's the thing yeah. is, a lot of times the things that we put on a pedestal, guys, they aren't really the things that make you happy at the end of the day. Like we no. really, we as a society, Americans, have a serious problem compartmentalizing what makes us what truly makes us happy. happy. Yeah. It's true. And, and respecting mental health struggles and understanding your story is not somebody else's story and saying if I was that person I would be happier that's not the way it works (laughs) and maybe like how about we try this on for 2021 how about we try to give people the benefit of the doubt right rather than say prove it Megan it's like she is sitting here being vulnerable sharing is it 110% the truth according to like like the omnipresent force that is looking yeah. down? Maybe not. Maybe Megan has her own version, right? And maybe yes. uh, the firm has their version and somewhere in between there, there's the truth. Yes. I tend to say that Megan, I'm airing her more so on the side of the truth, but it's like... I mean, cut the woman some slack. She's not just sitting there bold-faced lying to us. For what? And if if anything, this is a woman who hurt her husband. They didn't realize they were giving up, but by standing up for themselves and saying, I have a voice and I will be heard and I am putting putting me and my partner and my family first. Like, we are protecting ourselves. We're putting on our masks, our gas mask, right? On our oxygen mask, on the airplane. Yes, we say to people, put your mask on first. And she literally said, well, we put our mask on first and then we put it on Archie. And everybody's like, well, fuck you. You should have gone down with the plane because at least it was a private jet. And it's like... Like, can we just, can we just please just say thank you? Because what people are not recognizing is she speaks for so many different people. She speaks for black women. She speaks for biracial women. She speaks for, um, for me being in a marriage where I was voiceless. She speaks for expats. It's like, I think of the people that listen to the show who are like, I moved to another country. I thought it was going to be some Emily in Paris shit. And instead it's lonely (laughs) and it's isolating and ain't nobody letting me come to the opera in a ballet skirt. And it's like, and in those moments when you hear people say, well, shut the fuck up. What you, what you all don't hear that somebody else is hearing is your voice doesn't matter. Your story doesn't matter. And nobody cares. And to be honest, 90% of the time, the same people that are like you should be so lucky you're lucky that you can people even want to look at your life are the same people that like have their shit set to private and you're like well if it's so great to share your truth share your truth let me see right. you, you stack right. of pancakes right. let me see what your kid's face looks like so i can tell you what i think like shut up again i'm probably gonna get a dm about oh babies are beautiful yes guys i know i i know it's okay oh mackenzie green well, thank you for joining me, my love. I know we're out of I time. I love you. I know. And I'm like, and the, and the world is like, ma'am, isn't there a part two? And I'm like, you, you guys excited for another 90-minute episode <laughs> of this nonsense? <laughs> well, I definitely want to get into, like, who did talk about Archie's skin color? I mean, that is, do you have theories on that? 
I have no theories, but man, guys, I I just colorism. You guys need a quick little tutorial on yeah. how that works. Uh, It'll be part two on the Taylor Strecker show. Yep. For real. But I love you. You know, I love you. And I love that you're always open to making this space. And honestly, at this point, it cracks me up the journey we've gone on, Taylor, because we went from, hey, can we talk about Juneteenth to fuck the patriarchy? Let's talk about colorism and dismantle white supremacy. And I'm over here like, oh, or or we could, oh, or, you know, Housewives of Salt Lake City. <laughs> well, Taylor's Bethany, growing. I'm not, some, guys. Somehow... Bethany did work her way into the royal narrative. That was Listen. that was out of left field. And hey, Bethany, happy International Women's Day to everybody except you. Okay, I, bye. I, listen, you know I hate a world where M- Ramona Singer is right. So <laughs> she is. Fuck. <laughs> I hate it here. I hate it. Mom, come get me. I'm scared. Mackenzie Green, I love you. You guys, you. follow her nicely at Miss USA to MBA. Uh, no DMs about babies and their brown eyes, please. <laughs> or and- I'm going to be forced to put my baby pictures up so you can see I have brown eyes. <laughs> and Mackenzie, I'll see you tomorrow. I will see you on the Taylor show. Let's do it. Let's do it. Part two, baby. Uh, Mackenzie, I love you so much. And I'm happy that you're okay. You're getting better, right? I'm happy that you're Since okay. Sunday. Thank We're you. We're getting there. Okay, guys, uh, that's it for us. Have a great one. We'll be back next week with another interview, another great podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, that is the fastest way that you can tell me thank you and that you love me. So please rate, review, and subscribe. And yeah, until next week, bye, girl, bye.